Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. And I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be very much enunciating and discussing Kidding Season 1. What was that about, Damask? <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like mixing it up. Sure. Good on mm. you. Uh, hello again. Welcome back to the podcast because you missed uh, Thank you. the bonus episode. Oh, right. I was confused as to why you were welcoming me <laughs> back to my own podcast. So <laughs> thank you very much. It's, uh, it's a true privilege to be here. Oh, that's lovely to mm. hear. And an honour. How are you going with... Life is strange. Uh, Putney, you tell me that yet? <laughs> Good jokes, Brod. Good <laughs> jokes. No, I still haven't touched it. Okay, fair so, enough. Yeah. I do. Well, that's the question. I suppose you can't really listen to the episode until I've played until it. Until you've played yeah, it. You can, I'll tell you what. You can mm. do what we recommend all listeners of the show do. Uh, Listen up until spoilers. Oh, that's a good point. Okay, I'll do that. That's Thank like, you so much for that suggestion, Brad. It's like a good hour and a half of content before we even get to spoilers. <laughs> so that's fine. Classic us. All mm. right. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's get into it. Off topic. Hot topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. Off topic. Hot topic is our news and views segment where we get to talk about the headlines of the TV world and discuss the stuff we've been watching that isn't this week's season of television. If you would like to contribute a topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast. No news in fuller, moving right along. Uh, let's go through some headlines Ooh, quickly. I love headlines. Mm, the first one's a bit sad. Um, mm. Just wanted to mention in passing that Stan Lee, the great Stan Lee of Marvel Comics, has passed away at the age of 95 this week. Um, it was interesting just seeing the... Um, I knew there'd be a reaction when this happened. Mm. The huge amount of outpouring from so many people um, really had a massive influence in the end. Yeah, in the end and throughout. Oh, throughout. <laughs> I think he had a massive influence. Yeah, I, I, yeah, because my girlfriend told me in, in the morning the other day and I was like, oh, oh, that's really sad. Mm-hmm. And she was like, told me his age. And I was like, yeah, no, you're right. Not that sad because like that's just what life is. He yeah. had a really long, wonderful life and he... You know, much of his life w- was full of people telling him how much they appreciate, appreciated him and his life. Like, that's beautiful. He had a wonderful life and he cre- created some truly remarkable characters and stories. And that's something to be really proud of. And yeah. It must have been pretty amazing seeing those characters become so worldwide yeah. synonymous in the last few mm. years of his life. 
Like, yeah. And so many artists don't get to experience that and he mm. did and I think that's wonderful and something to remember. Definitely. Yeah. Um, another quick headline, Game of Thrones will officially return in April of 2019. No surprises there. No. Um, here's a good one though. Ooh. We recently reviewed The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Season we 1 did, on Netflix. Yes. Well, a little uh, Christmas surprise for everybody or holiday surprise. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina... Um, is going to have a Christmas special, which arrives on Netflix on December 14th. It's called Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, A Midwinter's Tale. And a press release reveals that the episode will revolve around the Church of Night's annual celebration of the winter solstice. There, families gather around the Yule fire to sing pagan carols and tell ghost stories, and you never know what might come down the chimney. Mm -hmm. It's worth noting that this episode is actually the 11th of the 20-episode Netflix has ordered um, when it greenlit the series. Um, so that means rather than getting 10 next year, we'll get nine. nine. But because okay. it's coming so soon, it does suggest that the next batch, which we'll call season two at this stage, though that's becoming more and more debatable, mm. um, or is it just season one, part two, um, will won't be that far away. I'm still predicting personally it'll be like April or something like that. Yeah, cool. Well, I love a Christmas special. Mm. And so I'm all for it. I love just... Sitting around because sitting around the fireplace because we do have a fireplace now in my new house. Yes, mm. um, and watching Christmas special. We won't have a Doctor Who one this year, but I'm glad we'll have a Sabrina. Yeah, I'll also obviously have my annual watching of the Judy Garland special, which is available on YouTube for anyone that wants to watch it. Oh, really? Wh- which includes the original ad from like the '60s in the middle of it, which is incredible. The original... Oh, so, the Judy Garland the, oh, show cool. had like a Christmas special and then it's just like a straight like um, recording yeah. of the special and so it's got the com- the old commercials in it and it's so good. It's like when you find an old VHS tape when you like recorded yeah. The Mummy off television or yeah. something like that. And, yeah. you go back and, and then you've got, got oh a late God. night movie at the very end that you yes. can only watch the half of. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Memories. Yeah. So like that. I've been reminiscing a lot about VHS stores, right? like <sighs> rental stores recently for videos. Yeah. I think that's I what happens days. when you you hit 30. Mm. You start realizing that you're no longer a youth and so time to reminisce. Um, just pointing out there, not saying it's definitely going to happen, but you know, maybe mm-hmm. we'll some in some capacity talk about this Sabrina Christmas episode before the year ends. That would be lovely. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Speaking of reminiscing though, and um, thinking about childhoods, did you get to check out the Detective Pikachu trailer? I did. I'm usually very behind on these things because I just can't be bothered. Um, but it was all over Twitter. Mm-hmm. Lots of opinions flying at me. I had no idea what anyone was talking about as per usual. So I sat down, I watched it. And I fucking loved it. I got <laughs> so excited. I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I had, I have no desire to watch a Pokemon movie at all. Like, I loved Pokemon as a kid. Sure. And I'm happy to play a game here and there. But my desire has certainly waned over the years for Pokemon stuff. Um, but I watched this. Yeah. And I was like, how is this thing that is so absurd, so out there, so crazy and so fucking perfect <laughs> that it's this thing that I never knew I wanted, but oh God, do I want it now. A, bu- a buddy cop film with Pikachu, a talking Pikachu. Incredible, incredible stuff. What was your reaction to it? it my reaction was what many people's reaction was, which is how does this look? As good as it does. Yes. Like, so good. 
it, I'm so excited. Yeah, it was. I think it was. It was funny because we're mm. going to talk about another trailer in a second. They came out. I think they came out on the same day, mm. and this trailer was peaking above. Well, sorry, was trending above the other one. Yeah. Um, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. Considering what the next one's going to be, but um, yeah, I don't know. I I think there's a lot of things to it. There's, we've Pokemon's been around forever. We've seen them in many animated forms. We've never seen them sort of Pokemon in real life done properly. Mm-hmm. And I've seen like fan art interpretation stuff like that. But to see like Pikachu in real life, just that interpretation is kind of odd and creepy, but in a really fun way. And like, because it's a detective, the thing is as well, I mean, the easy comparison is this is Pokemon's version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, right? So mm. it's like po- that was, yeah, Pokemon in the real world mm-hmm. and um, how does that work? And you can sort of see they've got to have to create a, this. How does yeah? How does that Pokemon human hybrid world like work? Pokemon meets Blade Runner. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. There's just something about it that makes you go, I really want to dive in, explore mm-hmm. this world and yeah. just see how it all comes about. And the design is kind of like this kind gritty 80s vibe to it mm-hmm. where everything's dirty and off and strange which makes it more charming for me because it's something that like you know if it was made when we were kids or in the 80s like it would have been da- done with bad puppets and stuff sure but would kind of had like a similar dirty vibe to it and i really like it it feels tangible yeah no i really really like the aesthetic someone compared it to like when fans of the Tangent Mutant Ninja Turtles first saw the live action mm. version of that. It's like, how do you translate that cartoon into... And there's something kind of gross and weird about them too, but also like, oh, cool, this is what a mm. real life version of that would look yeah. like. And I think that's the thing as well. They've marketed... The way they've marketed this is it's obviously going to be a kid's film. Like, there are there are places in the trailer I'm like, if you wanted to go an adult route with that joke, you could have, yeah. right? This is just the Mr. Mind bit. Like the Mr. Mind bit... Sits on the weird edge between <laughs> creepy enough because you look at it and go that doesn't look right, yeah. But also has a it has a joke that's really kid friendly, mm-hmm. but still is charming. Yeah, I'm so interested to see yeah. how this goes. And the um, but also they're using primarily the original 151 Pokemon because mm. they know they're the most iconic to people our age who are gonna gonna want to go watch this and maybe take their kids to see. Yeah. It's a very smart market. Beyond move. the Origis. I really have no fucking idea. There's there's a few in there, mm. but very but like they're not featured. It's Jigglypuff and Pikachu mm. and Charizard mm. and Bulbasaur and like the Origis and like Mr. Mime. Yeah, um, are the ones they show, and it's like primarily. Um, yeah, yeah my very clever ten year old. Because I was thinking like I watched it in the morning and then I started getting ready for work and had a shower and stuff, and I was in the shower. And I was just thinking about it and I was like, I mean, right where we're sitting here, like over there are my Pokemon cards on the bottom shelf there, which I have had since I was 10. So, almost 20 years I've had those cards and they're not particularly special. There's no reason for me to keep them, but I loved Pokemon. I loved Pokemon cards and just for me to... Be excited again about a Pokemon property is pretty special. And I'm, yeah, I'm genuinely excited about it. Um, you don't know this, but on the bonus episode, we had like a 10 to 15 minute discussion about Pokemon. This was before this trailer came out. Yeah, too. I'm not shocked. I know who was on that podcast. Totally. I'm not shocked. <laughs> so just an update for anyone who's listened to that episode. I, that big rant I went on about that Pokemon I couldn't get. I emailed the Pokemon company. They sent me the code. I got him tonight. I'm very fucking happy boy. So that's Nerd. like you know, justice was served. What Pokemon was it? Uh it's a it's a 
My it's God. a legendary that you can only get via code. They're meant to come out in Australia. Listen to the episode. You'll hear all about okay. my rant about it. <laughs> is that but in the non-spoiler it. section? It's in the non-spoiler. Okay. It's in the off-topic, right. hot-topic start at Great. the start. Can't wait to hear that to our lecture. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, the other trailers, trailers that mm. came out this week, uh, out of nowhere, this is happening a lot. There's a Dumbo trailer today as well that I don't think you've seen, but not I don't think it's overly worth, interested in it. It's yeah. not worth talking about, to be honest. Um, <laughs> was... Toy Story 4 released not one, but two teaser trailers. Yeah. You've just watched them. Literally just then. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Start with the first one for me. The first one where, what's the song that's playing? Uh, I don't know. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the, this happy, fun. Yeah, they're like, all like, but also kind of, it's got a melancholic kind of vibe to it though. Sure. As they're like passing through like the very famous cloud wallpaper, which when I was, how old would I have been? Probably 11. 11, I painted my wall the exact same way. I asked my mom oh, to do really? that and she did it. And I was, I loved rough. my cloud room. Nice. Um, so that's in the background and they're all kind of like floating, holding hands in a, in a circle as this song plays. And I was smiling and I was happy as they all like floated like one after the other in on my screen. Uh, but I just realized I wasn't excited for a Toy Story 4. I just love those characters that's right and it's just nice to see them it's got nothing to do with oh i want more story from them because i don't think i do i think toy story 3 was a perfect ending it was a perfect place to end that and maybe that's because we were i mean i was oh my god like maybe seven when the first one came out um 1995, the first one came out. So I was six mm-hmm. when the first one came out. I loved the film. I was obsessed with getting a Buzz Lightyear toy. I got it that year for Christmas, which was incredible because my family didn't have a lot of money. So even though I begged my parents for it, certainly not a guarantee that I would get it. It was the Mr. Pickles doll of the yeah, uh, of that exact, year. Yeah, exactly. And I got it and I and I still have him and I he's up in the cupboard there and I, I, I love him and I put my initials on Aww. his foot because Damask wouldn't fit. So I just put my initials um so i love toy story and then growing up with it and then when the third one came out it was at a perfect time because it's you know we're at that age kind of where andy was at like moving on saying goodbye to toys although not really because i've literally got a muppet on my desk over there (laughs) um but you know we're like the relationship with toys and that kind of thing you you let it go yeah you let go of your childhood so it, it was it was you know it was perfect yeah. And so to have a continuation, maybe it's great for the next generation to have more stories. You know, that, that's awesome. But for me, like the story is done for me. Yeah. If Toy Story 4 comes out and it blows my mind, it's incredible. Sweet. Mm-hmm. But I don't need it. Nor do I really want it. But, I've yeah. had my emotional catharsis. Yeah. Like, yeah, me too. It was, it was a heartbreaking, earth shattering moment. That film. Oh, the ending to that movie. Christ. I'm going to start crying thinking about it. The last act of that movie. Last, that I was like, film. oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'm a very similar boat. Not sure I necessarily want it. Mm. Do love the characters, as you said. Um, this piece of marketing, I don't know. A teasers, teasers are teasers. Teasers don't necessarily tell the whole story or tell or they don't tell any of the story. I mean, it's the whole point. It's a teaser. But sometimes, I don't know, I'm just a little bit worried about the vibe. A little, Like you said, I just don't know if we need this. The reveal of Forky, the character played by Tony Hale, mm. a.k.a. Buster Bluth, um, is an interesting one. So, do you understand the implications of sort of Forky? 
No. So it sort of creates a bit of a existential conundrum in terms of what does Forky mean in terms of what's toys and, and like how toys come to life and stuff like mm. that. So they're starting to ask questions that maybe we shouldn't be asking because to ask the question of why are toys alive and what makes them alive and how are they alive and what's the mechanics behind that maybe spoils the fucking fun. And like, while it's an interesting thing to think about, like Mm. it's interesting to think about how cars work in cars, like what is this a post-apocalyptic future? The thing is, I don't know if you've seen that. There's this theory that gets around that people share with me all the time because I know I love Pixar about how all the the Pixar worlds are joined together. I've seen that quite a few times. And I hate it. Because it is totally beyond the point to be trying to make mm. these things fit. They just have but little no, but like, Easter I, eggs. I think there's a huge difference between fans who love something like playing around with it and like putting together fan theories and people who are actually writing the canon yeah. doing the same thing. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's not what I want from you because these stories are for children and we loved them because we were children and we grew up with them. And it had that, even when we watched the third one when we were adults, we loved it because we remembered the magic that we experienced as children. And we don't need an explanation of things because it's magic. I don't need to know how the the force works. Yeah, exactly. The beauty of childhood is that something can just be magic. Yeah. We don't need an origin story. We don't need any of that. It's just like... This thing is true because you believe it to be true. Isn't that wonderful? We Yeah, we don't need a, a long explanation of how these things come to be Yeah, at all. So, yeah, I hope that's not what they're doing. It, but. It, is the existence of Forky interesting, you know, on a theoretical level? Yes. Do I want to know about... I, I honestly just don't want to know. I don't want to know. Mm. I don't... I think that's a bad place to go. Yeah. That could be proven wrong though. And then you, God knows I'll be seeing that first weekend seeing it. Um, and like so much of the comedy in the first one is that, you know, Woody has this and a lot of the toys understand that they're toys. Yeah. And the comedy with Buzz Lightyear is he doesn't know that he's a fucking toy. And so to explore how toys come into existence, it's just too fucking weird and dark and just like, wait, it's way too much information. We kind of already got to weird dark with Toy Story though and we started going like, what happens to them once you discard your toys? Oh, they just go and fester in a trash pile for all of eternity and never dying. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah, which we now all have terrible guilt about. Yeah, which is why Buzz Lightyear exists in your cupboard still. Like, I will never throw him away. (laughs) I love him forever and I hope you're hearing this right now, Buzz. (laughs) (laughs) It's a shame he's just sitting up there by himself. Oh, he's not by himself. Oh, it's okay. No, no. Like he's up there with Teddy, who's can... I've had I've had since I was like three. So Teddy, the, the original odd couple, just yeah. sitting up there in the dark. Oh, and my <laughs> and also um, Rami, which my great grandma gave me, which is made from a dead rat um, fused with sheep wool. Don't ask. What? It's taxidermied onto little ram hoops. Yeah, it's a what? real. It's really dark. This but... is this is the Forky. This is the original Forky. How does that happen? <laughs> but so it's got the face of a rat. What? <laughs> Sheep wool wrapped around it, and it's like little fake ram hooves. It's a little ram, and it's got like fake ram horns, and the oh, it's terrifying. It's it's got like red eyes. It it's terrifying. Awful. But. 
my great-grandmother gave it to me when she moved house and this was just before she moved to a nursing home where she got dementia and it was the only thing she has ever given anyone. Really? And she gave that to me. So, I can't get rid of it and it's, I kind of love it because it's, it's sort of badass. Like, you might have I been, don't know why she had it. You might have been she, cursed. <laughs> that explains my life. Okay, good point. <laughs> I'm going to set it on fire at the end of the podcast. The toys I have that used to sit up on a shelf, um, I ended up taking them to work. So, I have like a thing of toys now that when kids are there, they get to play with them. Oh, I've that's done nice. what they do in Toy Story 3 and like, I can make oh. sure they get played with by kids. I wouldn't want kids playing with my toys. No, that I know. It was hard mm. at first, but I'm up to points like, no, this is what the toys want. They want to be played yeah, with. Yeah, that's a good way to think. Yeah, they mm. would love it. That's You're right. That's what Toy Story taught me. They would that's love it. That's what Toy Story taught mm-hmm. me. Uh, Every morning when I open my curtain, I kiss my Muppet. I'm like, good morning, Professor Von Schnoz. <laughs> I give him a kiss and I open my curtain. <laughs> that's adorable. Because they got to they gotta know that they're loved. They do. What about the Keen Peel reaction to the the tra- teaser trailer? I love Keen Peel. Yeah, it's just like I feel like Madagascar ruined children's animated films mm-hmm. with this kind of contemporary sense of humor. That it's just it's. Mm. Some people have commented that it's like, they, why do these trailers make me think more of like DreamWorks or Illumination than yeah. it does of Pixar or Disney? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, I love Key and Peele. That that trailer just feels weird. It feels like a way to just kind of go, oh, and Key and Peele are in this too. And it's yeah. like great, but I. That doesn't get me excited. Like that's, I'm not charmed by those characters. I loved what they were doing with Toy Story after Toy Story three. They were making these like short films, like holiday ones and stuff mm. like that. There was, a, there was a hol- yeah, Halloween and a Christmas one and a couple of others. And I was like, that's a good way to do this. If you're gonna have keep having stories, just make them like fun stuff like that. Mm. Just don't give me another official big chat anyway. Mm. Let's move on. While we're on the talking of Disney, actually, we know a lot more about. The Disney streaming service now. Ooh, tell me, tell me, tell me. I'm going to quickly read through an article that does a really good job of summarizing it. This comes from Olivia Whitney at AV Club. According to a press release, Disney CEO Bob Iger revealed... Uh, please interrupt me along the way, by the way, as I say details that you want to comment on. Okay. Uh, the Mouse House's new streaming service will be called Disney Plus. And it literally <laughs> spelled Disney and a plus sign. In an investors conference call on Thursday afternoon, he also listed about a million reasons why it'll be impossible to watch anything owned by the studio if you don't fork up the cash for this thing every month. Why what? do we think it's Disney Plus? Um, that goes on to explain. Okay. While the name may be pretty simple and boring, it's also straight to the point. Disney plus a bunch of other shit you know Disney owns and you won't be able to watch anywhere else. So what will that mm. include? On top of John Favreau's The Mandalorian... There will be a second live-action Star Wars series starring Diego Luna's rebel, uh, Cassian Andor from Rogue One. So, do you remember Cassian? Ugh. He's getting a show. But wow. Do you know what's exciting? How about- much do I not want that? It, it will have K2SO in it, presumably, though. And I will take more of Alan Tudyk's sarcastic robot. Sure. Please. Um, but yeah, the casting bit couldn't Can they just about. make it about that robot or the android or whatever? I would be much more interested in the That'd robot. That'd be way cooler. Um, but, 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 the final season of The Clone Wars will also make its way to Disney+. Plus, and of course, every new movie set in the galaxy far, far away. Ooh! But nothing prior to episode nine. Disney's wrestling over the rights to the classic films. 
I think they mean episode seven. It would be weird that you couldn't get the other ones. But anyway, um, as for the MCU, I confirmed the rumor that Tom Hiddleston is getting his own Loki TV series. Awesome. Next year, Captain Marvel will become the first new Marvel movie to head to Disney's service yes! instead of instead of I'm Netflix. I'm so excited. Yeah. Instead of Netflix, as the New York Times revealed. And you can expect every other MCU movie to do the same. Want to watch Jessica Jones' Daredevil, though? Better hold on to your Netflix subscription. That's fine. For, I don't want to rewatch those. For as long as they're going to be around for. Disney Plus will also have a TV re- reboot of High Fidelity, apparently with a gender flipped High Fidelity. I uh, hate High Fidelity. I've no, I, I hate it. Kind of bits. Awful. It. Okay. Um, a new Monsters Inc. series. Don't know how I feel about that either. What? For kids, that, right? It'd be for kids. It will be. I actually kind of like the idea of that. I think that's a great world you could easily do a yeah. series in. There's no reason. I think kids would love it. That'd yeah, work. Sure. And a High School Musical series. The, sure. The studio's awful. En- the studio's endless slate of live-action remakes like Lady and the Tramp and the 5,000 other animated classics the studio can't leave be will hit the service. Other rumour tiles headed to Disney Plus include an Anna Kendrick Christmas movie called Noel. Remake- yes. Remakes of The Parent Trap, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Father of the Bride. A- whoa, whoa, whoa. Reverse. Reverse. How far? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah. Nothing. See, they're going to CGI it. it. Well, of course. They're going to do what they did with Ant-Man. But what was so charming about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is like the tangibility, the feeling, the sound of when they're touching those giant leaves, the giant fucking ant, yeah. which I'm pretty sure was just called Auntie. Oh, and when they're floating around in the Cheetos, the, the, Chir- no, the Cheerios, Cheerios, sorry. Oh, Oh, fuck, oh, we need to rewatch that movie it, immediately. You know what? Funnily enough, I remember Honey, I Blew Up the Baby more than I remember Honey, I Shrunk the Kid. I'm so sorry that your childhood sucked. It's just, I, I'm that so was sorry. the one I saw more of. It was the one I rented from the video store more. <laughs> you loser child. That was an incorrect choice. <laughs> uh, Don Quixote movie in the vein of Pirates of the Caribbean. Kind of like that idea. Okay. Uh, the Paper Magician adaptation, Toy Story 4, a Mighty Ducks TV series. <gasps> Which I love the idea on, and some Emilio Estevez, Emilio Estevez, Emilio Estevez. Someone has suggested they should get uh, what's his name? Who plays Pacey? Emilio. Oh, Joshua Jackson. They should get him to play the Emilio Estevez part. Like, make it like okay. he comes back, and my, I was like, I love that idea. I love that so much. Mostly just because Pacey is my favorite, like, teen show. Just any Pacey's great because we get Dawson's great. Yeah, Pacey is. My one true love. Yep. Okay. All right. I'm in. Yeah. So I like that idea too. Mm. But people have pointed out that there already was a Mighty Ducks TV series. It was animated and it was like some weird <gasps> sci-fi. Yeah, remember I remember that. that. So was I it hope- sci-fi? I think so. I think it was set oh. in space. Um, <laughs> uh, our childhoods were fucking wacky. Yeah. Uh, Star Girl. No, not the DC thing. Don't know what that means. A new Muppet show. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, Togo and probably a million other things. Because holy shit, there's, that's obviously not enough. Well, it sounds like a hell of a lot of to navigate on a single platform. Worry not. Disney Plus will differ from Netflix's algorithm model, thank God. And according to reports from Vulture, have separate mini hubs for Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Degra- Geographic. Oh. Someone's compared that to being like, you go to Disneyland and there's mm. like Tomorrowland and Frontierland mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Adventureland and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, that makes sense for Disney to do something similar with yeah. their streaming service. Oh, every Sunday morning I'm heading to Marvel Land. Better start budgeting for this monster when Disney Plus launches late next year. Oh, no. Uh, a subscription will reportedly cost somewhere from, this is American dollars, 8 to $14. So, like, uh, so like one what, less Chipotle. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, right, like that's one fine. less Chipotle burrito a month is how the, um, the article ends. I, like, I, that sounds about right. That's what I would expect yeah, it to cost. Yeah, that's pretty 
fair, I think. I think that makes sense yeah. to me. I'm it's, happy to pay that much just because I'm going to be watching a lot of that stuff. Uh, it's I, I don't want to be a shield of Disney, but I really love so much of their content. I, yeah. they, and that's the thing. They know it. They know they have a stranglehold on the market. Yeah, I mean, they keep making stuff that I really love. Yeah. So, sure, haven't they earned my money? Yeah. Isn't that the point is I, I'm paying for something that I really enjoy? And theoretically... Is that incorrect to do that? No, it's not at all. Yeah, okay. Theoretically, it means I might spend less because I won't have to buy Blu-rays and mm. stuff necessarily. It's See, I feel better about that than continuing to pay for my iPhone, which I'm realizing is so fucking old school. I'm ref- not going to do that next time. What do you mean? Oh, you mean because iPhones are outdated? Because, yeah, they're no longer making anything that is special. Okay, sure. So, I'm done with it. You hear that, iPhone? You hear that? The ghost of Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm going to go on a weird rant now, is, but... Is this how you're going to start your off-topic hot topic, uh, segment? It's, yes. It's time to go. Let's fight Apple. No, that's not where I'm going with that at all. Um, so, <laughs> what cool. I... They have their own streaming service coming out soon. I'm not going to pay for that. Brian Fuller was involved and then not? Of course he was. What hasn't he touched and poisoned? <laughs> um, all right. So I've only got one off-topic hot topic this week. I haven't had a whole lot of time, uh, but I have managed to watch a few episodes of Dancing Queen, which is on Netflix. It's been available for a while now, and I've been meaning to watch it. My housemates all love it. Um, it is a Netflix show with Alyssa Edwards. And for those who don't know... She is from RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. She's been on a regular season as well as All Stars. She is one of, like, truly an All Star. Like, she is well known. Her sound bites are truly incredible. She's a good old Texas gal. Uh, so, what it is, is it, it's based in Texas. She runs a dance school, or her male counterpart, her male side, Justin, owns a dance school. So, it's kind of dance mums which is super trashy but also i love it meets rupaul it's good if not slightly tonally challenged um but i think it's a perfect show for when you're either cooking or eating dinner i think it's just a bit of fun it's light-hearted though it's sometimes slightly hard to watch a grown man critique young women while mm. they're performing you know, their art, but it it is it's good fun and it's interesting to kind of see like queer culture in the South. But you know, it, I check it out. Dancing Queen on Netflix. Cool, excellent. Mm. Um, with that, let's get to our spoiler free review of Kidding Season One. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Kidding is an American comedy drama television series created by David Holstein that premiered on September 9, 2018 on Showtime. The series stars Jim Carrey, Frank Langella, Judy Greer, Cole Allen, Juliette Morris and Catherine Keener and marks the second collaboration between director and executive producer Michelle Gondry and Carrey who previously worked together on the film Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Kidding Season 1 consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 29 minutes and took us approximately 4 hours and 55 minutes to watch. So Damask, why is it that we wanted to review Kidding on the podcast? Great question. I wish I could remember. Look, all I know is that I love Jim Carrey. Why do I always throw that question to you? <laughs> I don't know because you make all the decisions. <laughs> um, look, I love Jim Carrey. I love Eternal Sunshine. 
Um, so I, I mean, I'm always excited when he's bringing something out. Speaking about Carrie, um, yeah, I don't know why did we do this. Yeah, I think it was uh, the idea of a, a same rate. Yeah, big fan of Tell Sunshine the Spotless Mind. The idea of seeing Gondry and Jim Carrey together again excited me. Trailer looked interesting. The idea of like, um, uh, you know, a Michelle Gondry story around a kids' television programmer in the you know, in the vein of Mr. Rogers or something like mm. that, seemed pretty interesting. That seemed like that would suit both their strengths pretty well. Yeah. And I wanted to see what that looked like. So, with that in mind, can you give us your spoiler-free review of Kidding Season 1, please, Damask? I can. So, Jeff Pickles is a swirling sinkhole of frustration, fury and pain with a bubbling centre of love, hope and childlike joy. The season is a dark but whimsical exploration of a man only comfortable with a certain type of vulnerability. The show explores living in the black and white. Now, this certainly isn't the first time a black and white existence has been dissected, but the angle this takes is interesting. We look at living in constant hope, love and forgiveness and the toll of that. As someone with an ocean of repressed anger simmering below the surface at all times, I found this story compelling. Is there a more perfect casting choice than Jim Carrey? He's the man that defined my comedy stylings for all of my youth. He is goofy and floppy and has a silly grin, but he's also a performer that has veered onto some interesting paths, certainly of introspection, philosophy, and, you know, most probably narcissism. Catherine Keener is endlessly watchable as the drowning sister who refuses to acknowledge that water exists. Frank Langella is terrifying and infuriating as Seb, with a splash of magic when he is with his grandchildren that thaws the heart a little. I love that Judy Greer is in this show. I have long said that she, that, that woman deserves her own show or movie or, you know, anything else for all of the terrible side characters and best friend roles she's had to play over the years. Her character of Jill, unfortunately, takes a backseat to Jeff. Her actions are only important because of how it makes him feel, and I think that's a shame. This season has me weeping in some episodes, grinning with pure joy and bawling my fists in rage at others. I enjoyed the journey of Jeff Pickles, and for most of it, I really didn't know where we were going. I was fascinated and delighted. And I think also if you liked Barry, which we both did, mm. you'll probably find something to love about kidding. Yeah, there's definitely a similarity in tone. I think Barry ultimately is funnier. I think I, yes. I laughed more in Barry. Yeah, but yeah, they do they do share. I think there's some uh, similar explorations going on there. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Um, on the Jill thing, I agree with you 100. percent It's mm. the I think she Judy Greer is given. A reasonably interesting character to, to perform, and she has some moments, but to herself. But so often, it has to be, if not directly to him, tangentially related back to yes. Jeff. Uh, it's like we only reason we're peering in on Jill at this moment is because he is too. It's like ah, yeah, that's a shame because mm-hmm. I'm exactly the same as you. It's like she deserves so much I better. I love Judy Greer. Everything is everyone love, does. Love, 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 and they love her. And that's why she keeps getting those same goddamn roles <laughs> because she works. I mean, she does those characters so well. It's just mm. God knows she deserves more than that. Give me a kidding starring Judy Greer mm. and I'm all fucking about it. Anyway, what's your opinions, bro? 
Okay, I have been really looking forward to this discussion tonight because I feel like I'm usually pretty good at knowing how I feel about a show. I might not have everything figured out, but I've got a good idea of like my gut feelings about things. But right now, my thoughts and feelings on kidding are not settled at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there are some obvious observations to be had. The show is quirky. Michelle Gondry brings his signature style to the show, and that is something I enjoy greatly. From the hand-cut stop-motion opening titles to the puppets to the fully in-camera wizardry that happens in a few scenes, particularly one that's really impressive. And I don't mean to give all the props to Gondry for that as well. He doesn't direct that episode. He directs a lot of them, though. Um, but it's hard to ignore that he probably had an influence on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um that stuff's all there. That's great. Performances are also excellent from Kerry to Greer to Langella to Kina. They are all doing great work. If I thought I had a weak link in the performances, I'm not a massive fan of Cole Allen's work as Will and Phil. I Agreed. think yeah. he, uh, he, he reacts to things. Like he definitely gets his directions. I just don't think he's got a lot of subtlety or necessarily depth to his performance or mm-hmm. believability to it, yeah. um, which is a shame. Um, This is a show that is undoubtedly about something. Actually, it's about a lot of things. Grief, goodness, sadness, desire, responsibility, family, society, parenting, love, anger, forgiveness. This show touches on all of this and more and doesn't even break a sweat. It's funny. It's also sad. But most of all, the show is challenging. And that might be a bad thing for some, but it's undoubtedly a good thing in my books. We discussed how we wished Maniac had been weirder, mm-hmm. um, had done more with what it had, but ultimately was deceptively simple. Mm-hmm. Kidding did what I hoped Maniac would do. I hope what Kidding would do, um, which means I've been left stewing on it, waiting to talk about mm. this to you. Um, because right now I have a million thoughts running through my head about this, that, uh, about this show, what it's trying to say, and maybe even whether it might be a bit dangerous. But that is something I'll leave till spoilers. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I feel very similar as I was putting my notes together, and I all of my notes I've got maybe maybe ten little tiny sentences of notes of here of half baked thoughts because I don't know. Yeah, they're not fully baked. They're yeah. like I don't know where to put things yet, and I. I kind of like that. Whether that makes for a good a good podcast or not, I'm not sure. We're going to find out. We're going to have, but I think our our ideas, our thoughts, and our opinions about this show are going to evolve as the convers- conversation goes on. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, yeah, in a similar vein to you, I'm, I'm, I know I love it, but I can't articulate in a really clear way just yet. Yeah. I'm I predicted before we started recording that this might be one of those episodes where we do a lot of yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you because I don't have my own thoughts. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> if that happens apologies we're going to try and avoid that, but I actually want to say straight up if as you're listening, you know, you've watched the show and you will listen mm. to us talk spoilers and you have thoughts about the things that we're talking about and would like to share them as well, maybe you have a different perspective on something that we're saying or want to clarify something that we missed. Um, please email us, um, tweet at us, let us know what you want, and we'll include it um, mm. in another episode. Yeah, I think this is a show that really needs a lot of conversation to dissect it. So, absolutely, if you have like questions or theories or opinions that either diverge or agree with what we're saying, please, please at me because I really want to have those yeah, conversations. Yeah. Me too. I've been looking forward to this all week. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your score out of five stars for Kidding Season 1? I mean, for all of those things saying that I can't really solidify 
or articulate properly my opinion, I'm going to give it a five. I was, yeah, I loved this show. I was up and down with it. I felt every emotion. I thought the direction was beautiful. I loved the design. I attached myself to each of the characters for different reasons. Yeah, no, I, this, this show really spoke to me, really, really spoke to me. So I'm going to give it a five. What about you? I'm going to give it, this is such a copy out, I'm going to give it a provisional four out of five. I reserve the right. What? Oh, I'm saying, I think that I really liked it a lot. Mm. And I I, I have, I have like, I don't know, it's hard to quantify. I have some reservations <laughs> because I'm not done, d- like, dealing with it. I'm not done processing it yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm not 100% sure yeah. whether it is a five or yeah. whether it sits a little bit lower for certain reasons. Yeah, I, I my, totally, my gut reaction right now is four. Yeah, I understand that instinct to do that, but I know that before I had fully kind of, and I still haven't, disseminated everything that I had taken in, when the season ended, I was like, Fucking loved that. Mm-hmm. I loved that so much. So I've got to give it five. It sounds a little bit like your reaction to this is similar to my reaction to Twin Peaks: The Return, oh, which, God. which, I, yeah, I know you didn't <laughs> like that much, but I really, for all mm. its obvious, like for its flaws, and it's it's very challenging as well. I came away with it just like I just love the experience of that. Mm. I think you might love the experience of it slightly more than me. Yeah, but again. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I might change my mind once we're talking about this because I just really want to talk about it now. Let's do it. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the spoiler zone. On this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 of Kidding. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Kidding up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. We could start in a million and one different places here. I just want to start by saying something that um, if you've finished, obviously you're in spoilers, you've finished watching it, hopefully. Um, on October 10th, 2018, it was announced that Showtime had renewed Kidding for a second season. I didn't want to say that before spoilers mm. because I feel like that information might 
change your expectations going yeah. into this season a little bit um, because, like, there's this sense of, I mean, he, I'd like the way that um, uh, Jeff describes that, like, he's, like, um, like it's magmarizing. Like, there's this mm-hmm. thing, something like he'll explode yeah. in some way. Mount, like Mount Vesuvius. Like Mount Vesuvius, exactly. Or Mount Helen, I think he said, or whatever it was. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. And it's, like, and so I didn't want to say that and give anyone mm. who hadn't watched yet that expectation because... You well, just don't know what's going to happen. Because I, I wasn't sure if it was a single season show. It, that's, it, it that's, feels like it could have been. That was my assumption going into it. Um, and so I I felt like we were coming to a certain ending. Mm. And then the ending happened. I was like, well, I hope we get a second season because <laughs> what the fuck was that? Yeah. You know, I was quite shocked. Quite shocked. Uh, so I just want to start by talking about when I say challenging sort of mm. what that means to me. Um, and there's a few different things that are a part of that. Part of it's just ser- just the structure of the thing. Um, the way the show is edited at times, it's not holding your hand. It is, no, no, no. It is jumping from thought to thought to thought to thought. And it does to a fantasy good- or to reality, to mm-hmm. up, to down, whatever it wants, yeah. And it does do a good job of keeping things thematically quite well encapsulated mm-hmm. inside an episode. Mm-hmm. I really love the cold opens um, and then the use of the title sequences and then often the ending. There's like these bookends that a lot of episodes have that I really appreciate. I think mm-hmm. one of my favorites is like in episode four, there's the bit where um, we're seeing like the pickles and they're having the discussion about like God and how the pickles are God and we are God and then like they get taken oh, to the factory yeah, yeah. and then the ladies <laughs> are like really sad about like, oh, every time I see pickles now, She's I just like, think oh, of that dead oh, kid. Oh, now you ruined pickles for me too. And yeah. then that pick- jar of pickles gets thrown against the guy's house mm. who was- Murder. Right, yeah. and then at the end of the episode, we find out that that guy really does have like. There's talk about whether he was. Um, I think one of the weirdest things that Jill does the entire season is telling him that that guy was faking mm. um, and was yeah. just getting money out of Jeff, and then we see that he legitimately does have um, an injury, mm-hmm. a back injury. And I just like the book ending of that. Because while the episode might not go take huge leaps forwards in the narrative, it thematically had something to to say in that episode. I quite liked that. Yeah, it's a, a solid, well-structured, perfectly thought-out episode. And while we're not constantly taking huge leaps and bounds for character growth, but every scene has its own fascinations. Yeah. And so at all times you are connected to what's happening on screen, whether yeah. you understand in the moment what's happening or not. Yeah. It's like there's something really fascinating about it. Like you see those two men in the field, you're like, this has got nothing to do with what I've seen before. But they're having this quirky, bizarre conversation about pickles and God. And you're like, yeah, no, pickles are God. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure, all right. And then we go to the factory and these women are having a very funny conversation about – you know, she now that she sees Pickles, she imagines the Pickle kid dead. And now that woman is very upset. She's like, why the fuck did you ruin Pickles for me? <laughs> and then we go to the man who's, you know, Pickles are being thrown in his house, which is a funny situation. But then you hear the kid scream murderer yeah. as he runs away. And that's heartbreaking because his daughter's there. Like every scene has its its highs and its lows and it's... it's beautifully written and it's beautifully constructed. And every scene is important. Just in the scene itself, yeah, which is really cool, mm. and that's where, and that's exactly why it becomes in completely engaging mm. and fascinating. And there's so many 
great things about that. But also, it can be challenging from moment to moment. Just feel like, I feel like I'm at sea here so often. I feel like you're not holding my hand. And that's kind of why I love about it, though. Yeah. Is it's, it's daring and it doesn't, exp- you know, it doesn't um, go out of its way to make this easy for you. Mm-hmm. And it did leave me sort of my mind stewing at the end of every episode and having to mm-hmm. move on because we had a time limit to get this thing done. Um, but yeah, it, it asks a lot of its audience and that is, I think, a good thing. Yeah, I think there were times when, as because we are on a time limit with this <clears throat> podcast to watch a season within a week and I think I was lucky enough, thankfully the episodes are only like half an hour each, I which love, is I, fabulous. I wish we talked about that. They are really, really well Really linked. appreciate that. Ten, um, Netflix, take note. Yeah. Um, but so if we hit... Or if I hit an episode that really spoke to me, that really kind of affected me, I'll be able to turn it off and really like reflect on it and mm-hmm. kind of like take the moments to feel what I, whatever I was feeling about that episode. And that happened quite frequently with this show, which is fantastic. That's what you want. I think that's kind of the response that you would want out of an audience member. Um, and I was absolutely going through that. And then I would eventually, you know, move through those emotions and then be able to pick up again and have a completely different experience because mm. I didn't know where the season was going. Um, there are certain turns where I thought I knew where it was going and that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, like after we had the episode about the young man whose father was a serial killer mm. and who works on the show. I can't remember his name. I apologize for not remembering his name. Um but I then assumed like that episode really affected me and then I assumed that after because Jeff has had his breakdown and the kid has seen him have his breakdown is yeah. you know, gives him a hand, he's like, Let's go. I thought the next episode was gonna be about those two yeah. hanging out and that's not what happened at all. And I was shocked by that. I was like, Oh, okay, I'm slightly disappointed at that. But then it, it went in a whole other avenue, which was still really rewarding. Um yeah, I never knew where this show was going. I went on a huge emotional journey and I think that's why it's really hard for me to kind of disseminate exactly what I feel about it because I feel so many things. Just on the way it could, you know, it would defy expectations about where it would go next. Mm. It was interesting. I was trying to look up um, a few little details this afternoon, particularly about... The I was actually just trying to figure out whether it had been announced there was a season two or not. And I came across an article that was talking, it was like previewing the last episode a couple of days before it came out. Mm-hmm. And there were, you could see in that, they had set expectations for what happened. They had assumed that Tara Lip- Lipinski had actually died. Yeah. <laughs> and like that the next episode was mm-hmm. going to be, I don't know whether they put out a fake synopsis or something like that, but they this article was talking with absolute confidence that the next episode was going to be about Jeff Pickles having to deal with this tragedy on like his show and like yeah. and I was like, how did how did this come about? Because if it was a fake press release on mm. a synopsis that went out, that's a pretty interesting idea to do. Because I love the way the last episode starts. I thought it was like, can this whole episode is this going to be like BoJack Horseman? The like monologue. That, the yeah, monologue. Yeah. Is this going to just be a whole episode of him doing the speech? Because that'd be pretty fucking amazing. For mm. a while, I thought it was going to be. But also like. Sure, it'd be amazing, but also Bojack already did it, so. <laughs> sure. That's a shame, um, but yeah. it can be good too. Oh, can I just say a little side note? Um, was her name Tara Lipinski? Yeah. So, I didn't know She's a real- that she was a real, like, American gold medalist yeah. ice skater. Yeah. She's great. Yeah, she was excellent. She's a fantastic actress. And was happily, like- Like, just making fun of herself. Good on her. Like, a bit of a monster, like- But also, like, just- 
legitimately a good actor. Absolutely. She Did, killed it. One of my favorite jokes from the it, it's only it's not even really a joke, it's just a little something I like a detail. Is how they cause they say Tara, right? Yeah. And so she couldn't Tara. be called Sarah. <laughs> Tara yeah. and Sarah. So she had to be Sarah. Because yeah. in Australia, we say Tara, so Sarah wouldn't be a problem at all. <laughs> and it's been bugging me the whole Tara thing ever since Buffy. Um, Tara. Tara. Yeah, Tara. Anyway, yeah. uh, not that interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, also, just thinking about celebrities in this, though, the opening on the Conan show was really great, too. Mm. Conan O'Brien show. Yeah. Um, something I also talked about in my review was that this show is kind of, is maybe a bit dangerous. Oh yeah, no, I'm fascinated by what you meant by that. And I, that, that's maybe overselling a little bit, but I just want to talk about a feeling I had, mm. and it might be legitimate. It Were might these not homosexual be. feelings you had, bro? Absolutely. I've been away for this. It was for time. many years. This is the moment. Yeah. The no, it's a feeling I had that I just want to bring it up. I don't think it's a big concern, but I just want to bring it up. We've talked in the past about mm. we've had issues with Breaking Bad mm-hmm. because. It can be seen as like glorifying a certain type of person or a certain mm-hmm. behavior. The idea of like the violent man who takes what he wants and takes charge because the world is going to fuck him over otherwise sort of thing, mm-hmm. right? And people see Walter White as being a bit of a hero. I have this concern mm-hmm. that the show to some might seem to be glorifying that sort of outburst of repressed anger that there is some justification to Jeff's violent behavior when it does come out that it might be seen as heroic or admirable and it mm. and it worried me a little bit that that might be a little I don't want to say irresponsible mm-hmm. but like could no, be no, I dangerous feel, I feel what you're saying. does yep. that make sense yeah totally and I don't um, want to censor art like that's the thing right it's got something to say it's <coughs> saying it very very well but mm. um I mean, that's the that's the problem with these sorts of things. It doesn't matter. You can be careful. People can still misinterpret what you're saying. Yeah. I think this is a little bit more of an exploration, though, of repressed feelings. Sure, yeah. Than I think Breaking Bad was. Like, this show is really about that. It's, mm. it's about if you live in this black and white world, what does that mean? For you as a person, what does that mean for your um, your internal self? Um, if you have these clear ideals of what's right and wrong, or if you're only comfortable with one certain type of vulnerability, then you're limiting yourself and mm-hmm. you're not expressing in a healthy way. This show is a you know a lot of it is about expressing yourself in a healthy way, and when you're not doing that, how damaging that is. Yeah. Whereas Breaking Bad was about a guy that saw himself as being, you know, repressed or downtrodden or beaten down, um, and acting out violently. And justifying it, yeah. Whereas I, I'm not. I don't think I'm particularly seeing that with this show. It's, I, it's an exploration it, of it's that. It's not in the text the same way it is in Breaking Bad, uh. where it's obvious to see Walter White is convinced that what he's doing is fine. You know that he yeah. has justified his actions. It's more that the show 
by existing the way that it does mm. might do that with Jeff Pickles as the as a center character and seeing him mm. get fucked over by Vivian for instance or yeah. you know and having every character say fuck you to her and like all the things that would drive him to a point where this his dad is such an awful person to mm-hmm. him and he all those things yeah. don't in the text he doesn't feel justified in that in fact he's struggling with it constantly but you want my worry is more that the, that someone could interpret what the text mm-hmm. is saying and misinterpret it. Yeah. I, I totally think that I'm sure someone could misinterpret yeah. it, but I think the show is about discussing that. Totally. Which I think is important. And so... I agree. That's different. Yeah. You, you can't tackle that subject without discussing it. And Agreed. so I think that's what this show is doing. So I'm yes, I'm sure there are people out there that will see that as a justification for bad behavior, mm. but I don't think that's what the show is doing. Whereas I think on the Breaking Bad side it was an ignorance to what they were doing and the kind of imagery they were putting out there and actually how damaging that was. The the bit with the um the guy who murdered the women at the Wendy's as well mm. in particular felt like one that was like treading that line of making that it sort was- of Interesting. It kind of uh, glorified something that's just the right word, but it kind of made it. I don't know. It well, here it, it was. Sort of- it 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 blurred the lines because we have this speech from his son, which is, I think, a valid argument to many things about how their situation in life, because of how the power dynamics, the the structures of the Western world, particularly America, disenfranchise American, African-American men, yep. African-American people, and how they, you know, oftentimes are not allowed the same opportunities that white people are in that system. That's a very important discussion to have. But to then use that as a like some sort of, not a justification, but an explanation of... Mass murder is weird tonally to be doing that. I'm not sure why they've decided to think that's some sort of connective tissue because I don't think it is. The line was everybody just has a breaking point as if to shrug it off, as if to just sort of I would get it if he killed one person. The fact that he went out and killed like three women. Three redhead women. Three redhead women. That. You're putting some thought into that. That's a, not a breaking point, my friend. Uh, That's a pathology. It took me. It took me a second to realize why it was redhead women. Wendy. Yeah, it yeah. was. It wasn't because I'm not because I'm not super familiar with the franchise. I've been there I am once because in my of life. the American Office and um, Aaron. <laughs> she dresses up as Wendy uh, for right. Halloween. Yeah, it took. Yeah. It was like not until like after the episode, I was like, oh, right, I figured right. out what <laughs> what that was about now. Mm. Although I did love that moment where there was one of the most darkest, funniest moments of the entire show when he walks into the and everyone's got red hair and everyone's yeah. got red hair and it's just I was like that is so funny. It's pretty good. So yeah. funny. Um, what have you got on your docket to talk about? Because I'm surprisingly light for someone who's sitting here going, oh, I just want to talk about it. Yeah. So I guess one subject, and I don't really have questions. They're just kind of random statements that have made about the show. So yeah, if you, you just got any, musings, go. Yeah, if you've got anything to add on to that, that'd be great. Otherwise, this, this will I'm be a gonna super short <laughs> podcast. So, I've just written, we are reflections of our parents. And if it reflects neg- negatively on the parents, like they can't handle that. But 
Jeff loves and embraces Will because he is his good self. Mm-hmm. Phil is the representation of that angry kid that was beating that person on the ice to a pulp, the anger that was fueled by his father, and he just can't tolerate that side of himself. And so he tries to pulverize his son into not being that. Just like you can't we, – we don't show that side of ourselves. That's not something – that we express you have to stop existing that way because I stopped existing that way. That's that was one of my musings. The um it's I feel like it's been the year of like stories about parental fuck ups and how the mistakes of the parent go inevitably affect the children. Uh, uh, you know, has not not been storytelling from the beginning I mean, of the time. Begin- I, I, it has. It's you just, fucked me up, Dad. You fucked me up. I just feel like it's come up a lot recently in what we've right. been watching. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, and then well, then obvious relationship in terms of fucking people up is um, Jeff and Deirdre's dad as well, Sebastian. Mm, I'm fascinated to see where that goes. <sighs> he is awful. And like you're right, there's this part of him that is, you know, he does show some tenderness with the grandchildren in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, he has that funny moment, that weird moment in the last episode where he calls up the guy who does uh, the impression of Jeff mm. and has him say, I love you, daddy. Yeah. Um, moments like that where you, you understand that he definitely loves his son, but fucking hell... The the way he treats him and talks about him, particularly with Deirdre, is just disgusting. There's that there's that bit where they're cooking uh, in Deirdre's kitchen mm-hmm. and they're they introduce the shanks to the casserole, whatever he says. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way he talks about Jeff and like protecting the brand and oh, it's so monstrous. Mm. It's so unparental in every sense of that. Wow, it's just it's it's hard to like him in any sense at all. I don't think we're meant to necessarily. Yeah, do you think that's like a reflection of because obviously Jeff couldn't deal with is it Will that died? Will died. Yeah, Jeff couldn't deal with Will's anger because it was the side of him that he saw as flawed. Will was representation of his flawed self. I think that's um, right. I think it was Will. Doesn't matter. Yeah, and he and he couldn't deal with that. Whereas Seb sees Jeff's vulnerability because yeah. he is not a vulnerable man at all. At all, he sees Jeff's Jeff vulnerability feels everything. as as, as feels that's nothing. the version of his flaw. Mm-hmm. Whereas Deirdre, you know, she's kind of like the stoic one, the one that appears to have it together all the time, and so he's able to be like, "I can deal with you." Because you're the side of me that I understand whether or not, you know, she's actually suffering deep down, much as he is as well. I think, yeah, we see our children as as mirrors of ourselves and that's kind of a reflection on that. What else you got? What other musings you got for us? Oh, God. All right. You're really, you're really putting it to me. You were the one who said you had just like all these thoughts. I do have thoughts. None of them are truly tangible. No, that's good though. That's, <laughs> bring it up. I've got, I've got literally words. I listed them off earlier that we could just go through each one, I feel like. Uh, you got words. Like what I said earlier, grief, goodness, sadness, desire. Like there's just like themes in there right. that can be summed up as a word. Um, I, I think I loved the the idea of when we have Pickle Sun. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, the art of Kintsugi, um, acknowledging 
the cracks in us. He talks yeah. about this with Deirdre. Um, you know, the object is forever different, much like Jeff is after the death of his son. But, you know, it's the object is different. It's cracked. It's flawed. But it's still something to behold. It's still something to honour, to treasure. I think that's really quite beautiful. But that's the only thought I've got on that. They, is that does that lead into the discussion about the idea of scars and how scars are not a sign of being broken? They're a proof of healing yes. that you know. You're able yeah. to heal and stuff as as well. I like I like all those musings. They're, yeah, a beautiful thought. Um, there's a, That's the same. They have that image where Jeff, he's smashing up his dad's office and he mm. like smashes the TV and like... There's that the again. Glowing the glowing between the cracks. The yeah. perfect bookends. Like that. Yeah. That's identical, very close mm. to like the present they gave Picklesan, who yeah. the senior who was that's leaving. That's exactly what they gave. Oh. They gave him a kins- kintsugi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I I loved that scene when he's kind of ripping himself apart. Like, and Jim Carrey has this beautiful ability to kind of like rip his limbs apart and contort his body in a way that is shocking to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's, yeah, you see Jeff Pickles rip himself apart physically and then take an object and smash his face. Mm. And he's just sitting there in the glow of his cracks and still unable to reflect on that. I think that's something that's really fascinating about Jeff Pickles his inability, and he, you know, he says his, his inability to listen, but really his inability is to listen to himself, to listen to the lies that he tells himself about who he is, what his value truly is, what his values are, I think is a, is a real tragedy. It, you know, create a huge distance between him and his wife and his children, between his family mm. He is so lost in this two-dimensional character because I think when you limit yourself, when you live in this black and white world and you have a clear idea of what is justice or what is right, you make the world Mm two-dimensional and you make yourself two-dimensional. And so you can't connect with the world around you. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking of um, like, this is exactly what you're talking about. His ongoing sort of uh, struggle with, he seems to want to help everybody, mm. but is so terrible at seeing what his family needs. Yeah. And then simultaneously strives for his family's approval and affection and is sort of not disgusted, but like sick of everybody who he saves saying, you saved me. Like mm-hmm. that, uh, the torment, the inner turmoil that must cause to like, <laughs> like have dedicated yourself to helping everybody, but but be so put off by them actually acknowledging what he's done. And uh, ugh. So full on. Yeah, I think his he spent much of his life, like that is his value, is the fact that he saves people, the fact that he educates children, the fact that he parents, you know, America's children. 
um, which he acknowledges at the end. Yeah, I love that speech. And I and I think you know he has for many 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 years valued that in himself, and now he's come to this stage where he still really values that. Yeah, but also at the same time doesn't and wants to fuck it all off but he's in this weird fluid state and i think that maybe that's perhaps why we're finding it hard to kind of cement on any particular idea because the character hasn't the character's journey is all over the fucking place i think in a really organic way i'm not saying it's it's confused narratively because i don't think it is i think it's very purposeful those contradictions are true of Mm. human nature of like that's this this all fits mm-hmm. perfectly for me. Yeah. I have no. Yeah. I've, I struggle sometimes to follow where the show might be, but I don't struggle to understand that this is. Yeah, what and it our and it never is. feels untrue. Mm-hmm. I think it's very much indicative of true human change, in which you know who yourself to be, and you absolutely identify with that, but you also can feel at the same time a disconnection with that and uncertainty in who you are and you feel the changes even though you have a clear idea of who you are and you're kind of going back and forth between things and that's what this show is about it's like well I'm this this second but then I am this this second so what does that mean and that's going to fill me with a huge amount of confusion and rage and while that's probably uh, something that many of us can kind of you know, digest over time a a person like like Jeff Pickles, who is a pillar mm. of goodness. Um, you can't you can't be a a fluid changing idea. You can't be a fluid yeah. changing person, and he's really struggling with that, as we all are to kind of understand what that means for him. It's um. Yeah, I think I think ultimately his journey has to be weirdly is ultimately going to be have, having to let go of the identity that is Mr. Pickles, right? Yes. Like the thing that he struggles with that that ties him to that show so much is that he cannot envision anybody else being this role. Mm-hmm. He has a heart, he is so tied up in that persona being him that the idea of anybody else wearing his face or mm-hmm. stepping into his mm-hmm. shoes. I love that moment where he just leaves the shoes. <laughs> yeah. um, the blue shoes that were the reason they had suspicious thing on his card. Oh, yeah. so clever. The uh, uh, that, that, that keeps me the thing that keeps t- him tied to that persona so much. And there are all these options for him to get out. There are these organic ways that he could, you know, theoretically still be involved with the show but not have to be you know, the Mr. Pickles mm. anymore. There st- already is other versions of Mr. Pickles out there in the world anyway. Um, I think that has to be his journey going forward. That's the only healthy way for him is to learn. I think this is true of everything that's going on here. Everything's about like how a a entity or, or a group exists, a partnership exists, is broken apart and has to be redefined, right? Mm. So, you've got that happening with him and Jill and his family. Mm-hmm. You've got that happening with um, him and his parents when his mum left and so forth. And so, mm. how that changed the dynamics there and that what that's created 
relationship wise between him and his his sister and his dad, which was crazy to realize they were all from the same family in the first episode too. <laughs> I know. You, there was no I direct connection. I thought he was married to his sister. I, I was like, was, wait, what? I was watching with Liam, and Liam was like, "Does he have a second family? What's going on here?" It's very confusing. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. And then I think ultimately, if we're watching the evolution of what, because I, there's also that struggle with. Him and Jill both want to be in each other's lives, but want to be in mm. each other's lives for completely different reasons right now. Yeah. Jill wants him around because she loves him, but she doesn't want to be with him. He wants to be with Jill because he loves her and he wants to be with her again. And it's like they have to find what's going to work, what that new relationship mm. looks like. Similarly, if he is ever going to move on, he needs to find that new version of himself Mm -hmm. as Mr. Pickles, which is probably not being on the show anymore, but maybe still being involved and letting it evolve past him and not having him be the central entity around that. Well, I think that's the thing is that he... Which is weird because I don't want to defend the the dad because it's his idea to have him move on, but he does it for the wrong reason. I don't know. Yeah. I love it's complex. Yeah. I think it's it's interesting because Mr. Pickles, Jeff Pickles, certainly sees himself as a bastion for good and selflessness and i think in a lot of ways he he is that but then you see his relationship as the character with his the true jeff and the character of mr pickles that relationship that attachment is it is ego yes it's absolutely ego yes. and his victim complex refuses to acknowledge the fact that it's not because he's being victimized it's because as much as he is damaging everything around him, he refuses to let go because his ego won't let him. It won't let him let go of Jill. Yeah. It won't let him give her the space that she needs. It won't let him step away from the brand of Mr. Pickles, even though he is absolutely damaging it. The thing that he protests and protests that he is trying to protect he is damaging he's changing it yeah you know in a way that is probably unhealthy um but he's you know it's it's pure ego it's the same thing that his dad has but just uh it comes forth in a different way i think both things can be true though because i think he is a victim at times of like the way his dad and Mm -hmm. how he is going about That is a toxic relationship. Don't get it confused. Absolutely. But he is not entirely being victimized in that situation, which is how he perceives it to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is what I'm saying. He he is, yeah, elevating that and, yeah, absolutely. Uh, What else you got for me on your little list of musings there, Damas? That was a fun little conversation. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting that when he's – so he's in the workshop with Deirdre, his sister – did I say Deirdre earlier? Is Deirdre? Deirdre? I don't know what it, whether it's Deirdre or Deirdre. D. D. All right. Um, so instead of – so they're in the workshop Sorry, together and, you know, he comes in and he's talking about like the sweater and making a, a puppet of her. And she's like, you know, if you ever want to talk to me, you can. And instead of discussing his feelings about Vivian's impending death, he then points the finger at Deirdre, D, whatever, um, and says, like, she's hurting him with the Ice Capade show um, and that's what he wants to discuss. Like, he completely doesn't want to acknowledge the fact that he's going through this huge trauma, mm-hmm. once again, about Vivian. He just wants to talk to Deirdre about that and it's like this family finds it impossible to have the same conversation at the same time. Yeah. 
They're always talking around each other, past each other. They just have a complete inability to communicate. And that was my experience for a lot of the show was I really, you know, I really like Jeff Pickles and I really like Deirdre. Deirdre. Deirdre? It's got to be Deirdre. I feel like it's Deirdre. Um, I like them both and I just want them to support one another. But they're so disconnected. It's the bit I it's the the bit that doesn't necessarily connect along the way for me because it's mm. like how can you have formed this highly successful business and not communicate it better? Like how does something Seb. that's so toxic get this far? Is it j- just off the back of Seb's ability to just make this work? You might be right. Yeah, I think and I I think we see that in play as well with Seb kind of, you know, he turns to Deirdre and talks about Jeff as though He's like the talent and, you know, he he clearly defines to his children very openly, this is what you are. This is your role. The conversation this with is Deirdre what where he says it's like, <sighs> you make corpses, he brings them to life. And mm. it's just like, f- fucking Jesus. Yeah. God, he's awful. He's awful. Um, so, I think that's what he says. Like, this is your role. This is your role. and yeah. But never really cultivating teamwork. No. It's very like sectioned off and I think that's probably how he's kind of that's where he feels safe doing it I guess that's how he that's a safe team for him to manage but yeah that is completely incapable of connecting and even when you know at the end when Deidre's like oh yeah no I'm divorcing Scott and Jeff is like, oh, that's terrible. I didn't know. You see this still, the selfishness come through and him not really engaging with her on that. Not it's, listening. Yeah, lo- not listening. Funnily enough. It's pretty tragic. Uh, anything else for us? Oh, wow. Please keep going. You okay. just list these off. These are great. This is exactly what I needed. <laughs> I just need like jumping off points to have the discussion and just sort of move through this. Because right now, I am appreciating this show more and more by having this discussion. Okay, good. Um, so another little point I brought up is that it's not in Je- in Jeff's life. It's not the disasters that are the problem. It's not Phil's death, and it's not Vivian breaking up with him. Also, just like Jeff's happy times when his family was together or Vivian was going to live, it doesn't solve it. The issue, the issue is still there because the issue is he's angry. Mm-hmm. So, the bad things happening are not the problem. His reaction to the bad things is the problem. That's his struggle, is yes. with his feelings. Is because while we, while you might watch it superficially and be like, oh, these bad things keep happening to him and piling on and that's why he explodes. That's not actually true. He could, you know... Could be a wobbly table, as we see. Like it's it the that is not Bad those table. yeah those things are not the problem. Nor is being in a happy relationship or within a happy family the solution. Which is mm-hmm. I'm which is why I'm glad that Vivian broke up with him. Though I found that very upsetting. Though the fuck you seen very funny. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, that was great. Yeah yeah. But the the issue, and it will always be the issue, no matter what is what else is happening around him, is the anger. And I'm glad they kind of really focused on that with being, we see him so glaringly being happy with Vivian. Everything's fine. And then that's not it. That like, that isn't actually a solution. 
because it's precarious. Life is precarious. Yeah, he, Relationships are precarious. You need to deal with the underlying issues. And even afterwards, he's still like, it's like constant dodging of mm-hmm. the emotion when he's mm-hmm. like, he said brings up, you know, what's happening. He's yeah. like, it's a miracle this woman lived. And it's like, yeah, that's what we're discussing though. We understand yeah. the good part of this, yeah. but have you processed? Yes. As a person, we understand it's good someone with cancer is alive. Let's talk about how you feel about the fact that she left you. Yeah. Like he he just he's just so unwilling. And I think he's he's always going to be the boy punching the ice or the boy underneath him on the ice. Like that's just who he is underneath mm-hmm. until he deals with it, until he can let go of that. And let go of that anger. And then he's going to stop being that. But that kid is always going to be there. And he's always going to hear Seb in his ear yelling, you know, kill him, punch him, teach him a lesson. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to continue coming out in these bursts. Like you can't goodwill anger away. You, You can't do that. But that's what he's been doing his entire life. So what do you think? What do you think the message of the show is? Does the show have a solution to... Jeff's anger at this point, like is healthy it, it, expression. Yeah. So what, express the anger in a healthy way. So, uh, okay. What would be a healthy expression within the text of the show? Who has a healthy expression of anger within the show? Well, no one. No one, right? No one does. Yeah. Um, I think the healthiest expressions of anger has come from Jill. When she's angry, she'll go over to Jeff's house and be like, "Why the." fuck did you give that man money yeah like that hurt me you yeah, hurt yeah. me by doing that so she's probably a, the maybe the only example of healthy anger because she's not part of that family i'm really interested to explore what that family went through specifically <laughs> yeah to make them so averse to confrontation and anger they are not interested in that at all we see that with deirdre she doesn't want to have the conversation with her husband, the person that she's meant to be closest to in the entire world. Yeah. In that bed when he when they're lying next to each other. She can't have it. She can't have that conversation. Just like Jeff can't have any kind of real angry mo- honest angry moment with someone. Seb Seb rationales everything. Everything mm. is just like Yeah. you know, everything has a solution. It's just a problem that has needs a solution. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily a goodwill solution like Jeff says, but it's, yeah, he definitely doesn't express anger much, does he? He has that one moment, I think, when they say the show is probably going to be cancelled. He's like, hi, hello, fuck you. Mm. <laughs> it's just like, it's like the only time any of that sort of comes out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of other like healthy expressions of anger within the show. Jill's is a good example. There aren't a lot of them at all, actually. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you. The 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 flat because we get that brief flashback to when young Deirdre is like arguing with her mum. Yeah, and like then she's made the puppet and Jeff's mm. like Jeff like puts like performs the puppet having a completely different conversation. Yeah, just pretending mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah, I think Vivian. When she's going originally, like when she's going through a cancer struggle, she's pretty open and honest about her anger um, and where she is and just how shit stuff is. Like she's pretty fucking honest sure. about things. 
Um, she she's also like the whole thing of her character is that she just does whatever because what the fuck is going to matter in six weeks? Basically, mm-hmm. like like she, the, her first reaction when she finds out she's in remission is like. I have so many parking tickets I need to pay off. <laughs> like, because she's just been whatevering yeah. life at that point. Who gives a shit? There are no consequences when mm-hmm. you're going to die anyway. Yeah. Um, is that a solution? Is that a better expression? Just to be like, well, I should let this out because why not? Well, or yes. Maybe. I think so. I think because the answer is exactly that. Why not? Like where, and I'm not saying go out and purposely damage people. I don't think that's healthy. But the why not of well, we're all going to die. We should all be honest about how we feel and where we're at. Because why not? Whereas, yeah, Jeff puts the entire weight of the fucking world on his shoulders, and so he's like, oh well, I can't express anything. Because if Jeff had just said to Peter at the end of the episode, you know, don't. Give drugs to my son. Yeah. <laughs> or if you smoke around my son, I will fucking kill you. Or, or maybe not that. Just like, <laughs> how about don't do that? Yeah. Uh, and express it. Yeah. His feelings. He might not have hit him with a fucking car at the yeah. end. That go. that moment. I did want to get to that eventually. Mm. That moment truly shocked me in the sense of like I just it just happened and I was like I I jumped like I did not say it tell me I'd been. I didn't see it coming. I was lulled into such a sense of, like, there'd Mm. been such an interesting, just very calm episode. It moved with a real flow to it. There was Mm -hmm. no real spikes in energy at any other point in that episode. Mm. And so, just to have that sudden, like, crash of the head against the windscreen, I was like, fuck me. Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) as soon as... Because they were having this beautiful, very adult conversation and then... As soon as what's it? What's the guy's name? Peter. Peter. Big P. Big P brought out the joint and was like, "Oh, it'll relax you." And Jeff, and like the camera angle changed and things became very sinister on Peter. And then you turn to, as though he's a villain, and yeah. you turn to Jeff, and he just looks at him like, "You're the fucking reason." Yeah. Whether that's true or not, it's not true. Yeah. It's like, you're the fucking reason. I was like, oh, no. Like, at that point, I knew something bad was going to happen. Right. And then he got in the car and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then he kicked him. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was. And then we see him at the end, at the bottom of Big Barrel Fall. I was like, yeah, how are you going to get back up? Yeah. Good fucking question. How are you going to get back up? I I did love the reveal that Mister Mr. Oops, whatever that character's mm. name, or Oopsie Daisy, whatever the character's name was, yeah, was like um that was the Jeff. Yeah, that was the puppet. Um, Oopsie Daisy. Especially considering yeah. this. Yeah, again, the, again, I love the bookend, the opening scene of him doing the drugs PSA with Oopsie Daisy mm. or Mister Oops, whatever it is. Yeah, it's just like ah, oh, so well crafted the whole show. <laughs> Uh, what else you got on your little musings list? I think that might be it. Okay. I'm trying yeah. to think if there's anything else I really want to talk about. I just kind of was just thinking, should we just run through the characters briefly? In I think we've talked about a lot about Seb, a lot about Jeff. I don't know. Deirdre's stuff with uh, her husband and mm. with, what's her daughter's name? 
Maddie. Maddie. That kid is fucking adorable, by the way. <laughs> Until she's working her tooth puppet and then I'm terrified. <laughs> I loved <but> yeah. that. <laughs> clap, I, clap, clap, clap. Oh, I love that moment. Um, she's, she's, she's very interesting. She's fascinating that uh, the... Yeah, avoiding the conversations with her husband. How, how do you feel about that whole storyline? Um, about about the husband, even he's I, so I irrational feel, and odd. I feel terrible for her. I feel really terrible, and I. Mm. Yeah, no, I th- I hate it. It makes me angry. The whole situ- this the situation. The makes situation you angry? makes me really fucking angry. And then when he express it healthily, in a healthy way. <laughs> no, I'm gonna run you over. Um, and then when he catches um, Picklesan with the dick puppet, <laughs> and he's so incredulous. Yes, I was like, motherfucker, you've been sodomizing the piano teacher for who knows how long. Yeah. You can go fuck yourself. Yeah, the. I un- I understand, like, actually, one of my favorite conversations in the entire show might have been the one where she's like, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay, mm. you're gay, you're gay. And he's like, what are you talking about? That was, it's like, I don't know what conversation you were having when he was going to come out yeah. and stuff like that. And just that, like, belligerent denial, mm-hmm. you know, that comes because all of a sudden he doesn't want to express himself because now he feels like he's been wronged yeah. and so now there's this like self-righteousness and like no i'm not going to be vulnerable with you or or give you this anymore because yeah. fuck you uh it was so petty and childish but mm-hmm. also very real <laughs> yeah it was it was i think that's why it made me so angry i was like totally. um yeah i just and it i felt that's what i loved about the show was i felt awful for Deirdre because she was so repressed but also she'd made this promise to her daughter and she was trapped in this situation but obviously it's not a healthy situation for a daughter to be in anyway but what do you do because she doesn't want to damage her child the way that she was damaged by divorced parents Mm -hmm. and her kid is clearly going through some pretty severe psychological issues Mm -hmm. it's complicated it's really complicated and how do you navigate that when you don't have the tools to speak honestly and openly about your own emotions like you, she doesn't have the tools to express herself effectively so what the fuck do you do because you want to make the healthy choices you know like it's it's hard but i loved it how did you how do you feel about this is just totally side track sort of note how do you mm. feel about sex in the show by which I mean the way it's like portrayed in the show. Because I, I, very Michelle Gondry, to have it feel very real and raw at times, but also very silly at times as well. There's a whimsicalness to it. Well, I think that's it. also part of the realness. Is yeah, that it is. Sex is pretty fucking silly. Yeah. Um. No, I, I liked it. There's one part that I didn't like, yeah. but I'll bring that up in my least favorite episode. Oh, okay, sure. Um, but generally, no, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Uh, yeah, I liked it too. I liked in television shows, sex is just like, just penetrative sex. Mm-hmm. And even that was, there was more going on than just that. There was yes. masturbation or there was mutual masturbation. It was mm-hmm. like different expressions that all 
were not commented on or just that was that how they were having mm. sex that day. And yeah. I kind of like that aspect to it as well. I don't, it's just, it's just like, some colour to, yeah, to the whole thing. Like, I think watching it, like, I still feel like, oh, wait, this feels um, perverse almost. But then I was like, sure. but that's how people have sex. <laughs> like, it's just because we don't see it very often. But I think it's really inf- refreshing and important to see it because – you know, as I'm assuming everyone listening is an adult. Hopefully. Um, hopefully. <laughs> At this point, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, we put explicit on this every yeah. thing. So. It's your own S- fault, kids. Sex is so diverse. Yeah. Even within like a, you know, monogamous couple, every sexual experience is different and mm. doing different things and mixing things up. So the fact that, Sex that is shown to us is so stock standard yeah. and one particular way. It's untrue. It's an yeah. untrue expression of the diverse range of sexuality and sexual expression out there. There was one time that a sexual experience or something close to it was shot in a way that sort of seemed very stylized and ultra sexy. Mm. And it's one of the times that Jeff and Vivian are making out. She's mm-hmm. got like the silver wig on at the time. Mm. It's just after being at the dinner table, he's talked about being like, yes, the I don't and then it cuts away and they're just outside the restaurant <laughs> against the window. And it's just like, that was great subversion of like that expectation of yeah. how that would be shot. And what I loved about that is that like when you first start dating someone and you're like in a passion embrace and it's so fucking sexy and you're like, yes, I'm going to like, I'm going to fuck the shit out of you or whatever it is. <laughs> and then like, you probably had too much to drink at this point and zoom out and you're in the middle of the crowded bar. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just like. That actually doesn't look sexy. Everyone else thinks you're a fucking creep. Everyone thinks you're gross. <laughs> like you're having this intense emotional experience like one-on-one, like right there with each other. And most likely in the beginning of a relationship, you're in a very public space and everyone else is very embarrassed for you. I personally appreciate that very much. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? I don't brood. I've only got one, and I just could have brought up earlier. I'm bringing up now. Um, one of my favorite moments. I think at the moment where I thought, ah, oh, I really like this show, is the opening. I think it's the second episode when those guys steal Jeff's car and they're like taking back to the shop and they're pulling mm. it apart for parts, and then oh, they no. find Ukulele, and he's just like, no, oh, no, 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 no. no. And like put the car That's back together, so drive it back in, and they're running away just <laughs> as Jeff comes out and he gets in. They just have no idea. Yeah, and he's just like beep beep. But yeah. just it's a perfect encapsulation, a very funny way of like the reverence of Mister Pickle. Mm, yeah, it's pickles. pickles. Excuse me, Mister mm. Pickles. It's just like it says so much. Ukulele, <laughs> uh, yeah. Ukulele. <laughs> Least favorite and favorite episodes to mask. I'm going to go with episode nine for my least favorite. I struggled to pick one. Why episode nine? Uh, well, I'll tell you. It's coming up. <laughs> what was episode nine called? I can't remember. Lieutenant Pickles. Okay. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the sure. name of the video game. Yep. And I'm only going to go with this one for one particular scene. Mm-hmm. It's when Deirdre and Pickle-san have sex. And he's saying no yeah. repeatedly yeah. and is clearly upset by what happened. I don't think that's funny. I find it upsetting. Like she just raped him 
And I don't give a fuck if she can't talk through puppets at that point. Like that's like I that's that's not funny. That uh, she, did you think it was trying to be funny? Because I didn't think it was trying to be funny. I don't know what I it was, was doing, what but I, was I to say as well. don't know the point because, okay, so if you have a character that was just sexually assaulted and mm-hmm. you don't explore that, I, I, what I, is the point? I kind of hope... Mm. And we cannot rely on this. No. But that was late into the season. Very late. Yeah, very late. And I wonder if that's something that we're going to explore next We season? are never going to get... Oh, no, that was episode nine. No, you're right. Pickle yeah. Sun's opinions about yeah. his sexual assault. That's good Ever. Points. There's no reason to have that in. Why not just have them 10. have sex? And that ruins the magic and therefore, like, same thing. There's no reason to have him sexually assaulted in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. No. Fair yeah. fair point. So, I'm going to put that as my least favorite. Cool. What's your favorite episode? No. What's your least favorite, Broad? Ah, uh, it's episode nine, I guess. That's the... No, everyone. Okay. Broad didn't do his work this week. <laughs> it wasn't that I didn't <laughs> want to do the work. It's that I don't honestly know how to. It was like mm. every episode is its own series of tangents and little ideas that it kind of encapsulates into one big mushy hole in my brain. And I was trying to go through episode by episode descriptions and like scroll through them and like none of it solidifies into an episode. I can talk about the opening and closing and like the bookends of certain episodes with excellent clarity. Mm. But like all the stuff that was in between completely meshes into one grey mess that just is indecipherable as individual episodes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. I have failed the listeners. I do not have a favorite or least favorite episode of this show. I tell you what I did. Somewhere mm. on the line, I wrote, because I try, try to keep notes. I, I took very few notes, by the way. Uh, but it was in episode four, I wrote favorite episode. Mm-hmm. And like often I do that and then try and like, as I go along, I'll change that to what my new favorite episode of mm. is. I got to the end of it. I went back and I, I don't remember why. I, I just know the feeling at the time. I was like, I think it's my favorite so far. I got, I got <laughs> nothing for you as to why that was. Right. I'm right. shit. You are Please shit. forgive me. I will Never. I will fix this next week. <laughs> not, I'm not going to give you my least favorite episode of this season next week, but I will do, do it properly. I will next do time. the work. Right. <laughs> what was your favorite episode? Denise? My favorite episode was episode six, The Cookie. And I think what a roller coaster this one was. So we start off in the gas filled house. Oh yeah. And I am freaking out. Totally. Could the pickles lose another son? Mm-hmm. I almost shit my pants. Like it seemed too tragic, but you never know with a no. show like this, do you? So you're like, fuck, if they they like I I feel like they could. Especially because it was set up to be like a ticking mm, time bomb. Exactly. Like they, they did yeah. the work to make Episodes you go. Episodes up to it. Tick tock. It's gotta come. Tick tock. Yeah. Tick tock. Yeah. Um, so we have that and but that tension is relieved. After many episodes of build up, you're like, oh thank God. All right, good. And then we have the musical number. Obviously Vivian uh, her treatment is not going well. Um, looks like she's going to die. And then we have the beautiful music, musical number that introduces Viva Las Pages. Mm-hmm. That had me bawling. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful song. Um, it was 
incredible and I thought it was quite magical and lovely and hopeful in a way that I really appreciate in a TV show. Yep. Um, Which is probably exactly what this show needed at that yes, point as well. Yes, I think so. I think it's, yeah, it was beautiful moment. Even totally, though all yeah. of those moments end up being sabotaged later on, it's always, it was still lovely. But in but in the moment, yeah. you're like, yes, fantastic. Um, it's also when Deirdre loses it at Maddie playing the clarinet and tells her to shut the fuck up. Um, you see in that moment her frustration and sadness is beginning to explode outside of her, which I loved. Um, and it's when Jeff meets... <laughs> Tara's sister, Sarah. Yes. Um, and I loved, I, I thought that conversation was great all over, but I also, I really loved Jim Carrey's reaction when he finds out both her and the parakeet suffer from seizures. Yes. So at first he's delighted because he's not really paying attention until he realizes what she said. And then, you know, it's just like this beautiful, like, double take moment which yeah. I was like oh, I love Jim Carrey he's such a great performer did we say how excellent he is yeah he's no we haven't but he's I love him he's is fantastic and I I love that he's doing this sort of mm. work now like he's and I obviously was very sad Robin Williams died yeah but I think that kind of affinity that a lot of people had for Robin Williams I have for Jim Carrey like he's, totally he is the person for me like childhood wise who made me laugh above all others. Like he was, he's like, and is still, I think my special person. Yeah. Like I really identify with him, like his physicality, his sense of humor. They I have think a he's similar a re- darkness in that, them as yeah, well. Yeah, they do. And I, yeah. I really kind of have attached myself to him. Um, like, I, yeah, he's really special to me. Just his face. There's something about <laughs> his face as he's gotten older as well mm. that is... Oh, it's just so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's incredible. I agree. Yeah. And also going back to the episode, that's the episode where he kills the bird. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think right. this episode is a perfect example of the dark and the light. The ending of that, when he goes to bury <coughs> the bird and then it's raining. So he goes inside and puts it down the, the garbage disposal. Yeah. Oh my God. That's pretty dark. That's super that's dark. That's pretty dark. But, you know, it's it's amazing. We end on this super dark tone, but we had like Viv Lost Pages in there. You know what I mean? This like is, this is what it's one of the most like, beautiful moments. The, this, when I say challenging, this is another example. It's just like, what tone are we, like, what do you want me to be feeling right now? I'm very confused emotionally at the end of this episode as to what you wanted me to feel. It's just Which all I of it. Which I think is perfect. Yeah, attentional, <laughs> totally there. But yeah. why it's challenging mm, yeah um i'm just thinking as you mentioned those are there any other moments off the top of your head that you just love like i remember loving the moment i think it's actually is episode four where we see the he, they've talked about how like the problem that i think seb has or someone has no actually it might be jeff with the um the pickle going off the end of the waterfall it's like yeah, the parachute comes down, but it's like, what if a kid emulates that? It's like, if that had happened, we would have known about it by yeah. now. And then you cut to seeing this kid doing yeah. that. And it's like, oh, I'm going to pickle barrel falls. All right, have fun. And yeah. he gets, and he's with his dog and he gets in the barrel. You're like, see him go off and you're just like, fuck. And he's then at the, dead. And yeah. then at the end yeah, of the episode. Like, he's like, wee, it isn't worked. it beautiful? <laughs> yeah. I was just Which like, is okay. like, another element of this show that I love. You never know what's real and what's not. Sure. Like that could just be some bizarre fantasy that we're never going to get any context for. And that's fine 
because it's a beautiful sequence yeah. and it's a beautiful idea. Yeah, it's um, done with such uh, beauty and care that it just mm. it, it does not matter. It yeah, illustrates it matter. its point beautifully mm-hmm. and don't think about it too much. Yeah. Like if you if you sat there thinking about when he had the song, the Viva Lost Pages song, mm. right? And it's like, do we need to think about were all the puppeteers there? Did he organize and orchestrate this entire thing? Well, that's for the it? thing. Like, I started thinking that when it began. I was like, well, that's not what it's about. No. It's about what exactly the creation of that puppet means and what the him making this song for her means yep. and the beautiful coming of all of that together like that is what she's seeing in her mind's eye whether like that's true or not but like it's like it's that it's the beauty of imagination and the beauty of imagining your own legacy and that's what she's doing and that's fucking gorgeous it's and again it's another example of both things can be true Mm. it could be just what's in imagination mind's eye it could be that everyone's there both options are tangibly real Mm -hmm. doesn't matter yeah, it, it does not matter which it one it is. It doesn't matter. It's just how it makes you feel. Yeah. Just focus on that. Um, another moment I loved was when in the very beginning when he's singing a song about – it's the song about losing his, his son. Yeah. And how, you know, if you, know, you lose your favorite pair of socks and they're keeping someone else's feet warm, that I think a lot of the – the times that we spend on Mr. Pickle. Miss, yep. Pickle's puppet time, I think it's called. Uh, yeah, puppet, yeah. I think. Um, they I say find, the show a couple of times. Yeah. It's not, it's not the, I don't think that's the name it should be. <laughs> it's, like, it's just like puppet pals or puppet something, two no, Ps. I think it's Mr. Pickle's puppet time. Maybe, maybe it is. Um, but I, yeah, I think that song is beautiful. Uh-huh. So beautiful and such... Ooh, it it got to me. It did get to me. The mm. other bit that we I alluded to in the review, but I'm just, I can't believe I haven't said it, mm. is the part where I don't remember the act the, the character's name. Sorry, the the person who wrote the fan letter to Jeff. He goes on the date with that his dad wants him to mm-hmm. get his first get a first kiss with or whatever. And at the start or early in the episode, we see her. She's like having sex and like has the um the coke mustache. Coke mustache. Yeah. And she's watching Mr. Pickles and then. Later on, we get the the sequence of her basically turning her life around. Mm. And that is one shot. Have you seen the behind the scenes of that? I was going to say, yeah. everyone <laughs> must watch the behind the scenes of that because that was done for reals. Mm. It is the, it, this is stuff that Michelle Gondry has been doing for a long time. I love, there's great examples of this in Eternal Sunshine. That episode, this, no, he didn't. It, but he's done it. Like, I mean, it, it's hard to not associate him with this because you think of the. There's great examples of this in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind where mm-hmm. he has like Jim Carrey stand in a doorway wearing a pair of clothes. The camera turns to another character, turns back and then he's sitting down playing a version of himself mm-hmm. in a flashback with different clothes on. And it's literally Jim Carrey just going back and forth between those two spots as the yeah. camera moves. And this is a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I just don't want to discount the work no, of the I actual agree. director. And I, if I was a better podcaster, I would have looked up the name of the director and Damascus is going to do that now. But <laughs> it... Um, so it was episode three called Every Pain Needs a Name, and it was directed by Jake Schreier, who also did episode four. Cool. Yeah. It's just fantastic. I yeah. will put a link to the behind the scenes. That's incredible. In that, the, that was one thing. In the I, show notes. Like, I was excited about this Jim Carrey show, and then I also saw this 
I thought something completely unrelated was it's like cool like long shot that I was watching mm-hmm. with the chick from it the, she's in a com- that something comedic in Oates. band so- yeah yeah Garfunkel and Oates Garfunkel and Oates that's it yeah um, amazing comedic actress and singer and songwriter um, and she was I was like this looks really cool what is this and I was like kidding coming soon I was like. Oh, it's that did show they, did that they we're going to do. As a promo? They did. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize that. I came across mm. my. It was on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that was enough. Sort of rambling our way through our thoughts of this show. <laughs> I hope <laughs> I everyone so. enjoyed that. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. And I will repeat: if you do have any particular thoughts on anything we've said, if there's anything we think we've missed that you would like to, you know, us to address or talk about, um, please contact. Contact us via the website, via our email, via our Twitter handles, which we'll give you in a moment. Um, our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, who has a message for everybody. Um, he was directly to me, and maybe you, Damask, but I'm going to give it to everybody. Mm. She-Ra, the new animated She-Ra series, has just landed on Netflix. Uh, he says it has very Avatar, vi- uh, Avatar Last Event vibes to it, and highly endorses checking that out. He, this boy knows illustration animation as well, so... Listen to him on that one. I'm yeah. going to try and check that out this week. Okay. Uh, our theme song comes from Jordan Calavis. Now, bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis. That's B G O R D E S. Uh, what about you, Damask? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskymu, M A S K Y M O. What have you been tweeting about? Anything in particular? Um, I saw two rats fighting at a tram stop. I tweeted about that. That was pretty sick. I saw an amazing video of a rat chasing down a cat recently. That was pretty nice. fun. What a fucking... That's pretty metal, There's man. been a metal. lot of rat content in our episode tonight, <laughs> including... What was your thing called again? Goaty? What? No, the goat The goat thing that your, your great-grandmother made. Oh, the ram. The, yeah. the ram, yeah. yeah. The ram. It's got ram horns. Get it together. Um, also, I just, I just tweeted about the Pikachu thing. And then also I watched a quick episode of How to Stay Married which is an Australian TV show. It was fucking terrible. The One of the worst things I've ever fucking seen yeah, in my entire life. Yeah, you said that. Just... Who, I, who's, I who's tweeted, making that? Is that Peter Hellier? Peter Hellier, yeah. <laughs> I tweeted, How to Stay Married is a perfect example of what happens when people who aren't funny write comedy. It's awful. And um, what's her name, isn't it? The Chick from Blue Healers. Lisa McCune. I love her. I've met her in real life. She's a beautiful, wonderful person. Uh-huh. Talented actress. Wasted <laughs> in so this she's always pile been wasted. of steaming shit. I think feel like Lisa McKean's been wasted for a long yeah. time. She, oh god, in a, Australian TV, the goddamn mess ninety percent of the time. Uh, it's a shame. It doesn't. Let's. I'm gonna be honest with you about something. It. Mm. What's sh- what channel's that on, by the way? I don't know, like ten, nine, seven. It's, a, com- it's a commercial station, yeah, right? It is. There is a massive problem. And this comes from someone who doesn't watch a lot of Australian television, but I feel mm. like this is true. There's a massive problem where the emphasis on reality television is so high on commercial television mm. that any money they're putting towards actual scripted dramas is low and they are trying for low-risk stuff that is not interesting, stale, boring, done before. Mm-hmm. The only good place for anything good when it comes to Australian television right now is ABC or SBS. Absolutely. It does not exist on commercial Agreed. television whatsoever. Agreed. Agreed. Rant over. Uh, I just realized w- one thing I am tweeting about... Um, I wish. Can someone just tell me the ending to the Crimes of Grindelwald? I just want to be spoiled. I am done tiptoeing around that has some crazy ending that's making everybody upset. 
What? Just, yeah, it? apparently it's got some twist ending. I'm not going to see the fucking movie. Just someone tell me so my nerd Harry Potter brain Why can absorb it. Why aren't you going to see the movie? Because it's apparently awful and I didn't like the first one. Why would I go and see the movie if I didn't okay. like it? Yeah, fair enough. Are you going to go see it? I never go see movies, no. <laughs> I'm poor as fuck. No. Uh, on the next episode, we'll be back <laughs> to discuss The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Yay! Season 1. I'm so excited. I'm excited too. I'm so excited. I really I hope it's good. I know next to nothing about this Me show. Me too. I've just watched the trailer. I haven't even watched that. And the, but I'll watch it. I, it'll get you excited. Because I had no interest and then I watched the trailer. I was like... I think I'm going to really like this show. So do that. Looking forward to that. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. You know what I haven't done? I haven't got my notes book with me. You love a four thing, don't you? I fucking love. I hate them. What? They feel good. I never trust them as a child. You never trusted I them. I continue not to trust them. What do you mean trust them? Because they don't work. They, they do. never work. Okay. You don't believe in diversity I, is your problem. I love that you just refuse to engage with my like paranoia. You're like, yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Which is the best way to go about it, I think. You do you, Damask. <laughs> I will just continue yeah. to sit here with ultra Yes, Damask, life is a struggle. <laughs> 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 Have you, do you have you seen Bad Eggs, the Mick Mulroney nah, movie? No, there's a no. bit, there's a great ongoing bit about that about oh, really? color pens, yeah, and how okay. how the green color is like a real passenger. It's like yeah. black, red, and blue makes sense, but green. I feel like green is there for underlining the other colors. That's, That's not it. what reds. To uh, what do you mean to emphasize the other four's usefulness? Because it because it's when you say underline, <laughs> is that what you mean? No, I mean a literal underline. My favorite version of this. Mm. This is going in after the podcast now because mm-hmm. this is really interesting content. Okay. <laughs> is there's a version of this now which comes instead of green, it comes with a highlighter. Oh, like, evolution. Is, yeah. That That's is what's cl- beautiful about the human race, I think. <laughs> <laughs> We've peaked. Always right evolving. We finally it. figured out what to do with the fourth slot on a four-color pen. <laughs> Amazing. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.